This is a Federal News Network podcast. For the Veterans Benefits Administration, fraud and identity theft is costly, both for the veterans it serves and for the agency itself. December being National Identity Theft Prevention and Awareness Month, VBA has programs in place to protect its own assets and to help veterans protect theirs. For more, we turn to the VBA's Chief Financial Officer, Charles Tapp. Mr. Tapp, good to have you on. Tom, thanks a lot for having me on today. Always counted a privilege to be able to share insights about what we're doing for veterans. All right. Now, you are the CFO at VBA, so just give us a sense of what you oversee. There's a lot of programs there in which money comes out from the government to those veterans. No, absolutely. So I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to serve as the Chief Financial Officer here at the Veterans Benefits Administration, where we have oversight and responsibility for approximately $150 billion of resources that are targeted to deliver benefits and services to veterans in a manner that honors their service. Specifically in my role, I have responsibility for all of the traditional CFO stuff. You got accounting and finance and budgeting and financial services. But one of the special roles I have in my responsibility is also fraud prevention and the oversight that we provide to make sure that we keep our veterans safe. And we take that responsibility very seriously in terms of making sure we're delivering those benefits in a manner that's both safe and secure for our veteran population. And of course, in the online age, there is no shortage of imagination on how to get people to give up credentials or how to try to get money from the government. What are the scams you're hearing about most frequently these days that are targeted to veterans? Yeah, a lot of the scams that we're seeing targeted towards veterans are some of the same scams you're seeing in the general population. You see emails that are coming from unnamed sources or where links are, are somewhat suspicious. We're also having veterans who receive phone calls that are not generated or initiated by VA. And you're certainly also seeing some online fraud. So we're seeing the full spectrum as folks are seeing out there in the civilian sector as well. And so that really has a two-edged sword then for you. In the one hand, it could deny a legitimate veteran who's eligible for a program access to it. And at the same time, it could trigger improper payments coming out from VBA to some scammer. Now, you're 100% right. And again, we try our very best to provide different venues and avenues for veterans to access their benefits, whether it be, again, through phone calls to our national call center or online through VA.gov. We want to make sure our veterans are able to get access to us as easily and quickly as possible, just like they do in their private lives with their normal banks and, and other financial transactions. But as you've already articulated, with that access, there becomes opportunities for fraudsters and scammers to have access to us as well. So what are some of the steps that you take within VBA to make sure that doesn't happen so that you can verify those applicants? So on a broad scale, we're using data analytics so that we're constantly surveying and scanning the network for instances where we see potential fraudulent activities. For example, if you have a veteran who hasn't called VA in five years and now all of a sudden we see them calling and accessing their VA.gov account, those are instances where we may put a little bit more scrutiny on those because they're acting outside of their normal tolerances. The other things that we're doing at our national call centers is that we're going through additional protocols to verify the identity of a veteran when they call in so that we can truly confirm that who we're speaking to is the person that's intended and is authorized to make calls and changes on behalf of a veteran. And beyond passwords, do you use some of the third-party data providers that have lots of personal information on people used to verify identities commercially? Well, we don't want to necessarily go into the details about what we use. We don't want to tip off any fraudsters. But the one thing I will say, because you keyed in on it, 
We always advise our veterans to be conscious and careful about their digital profile online. So Facebook and Twitter, when they start sharing a lot of personal information to your point about what was your favorite car? Uh, what was your first car? What color was it? Those are also common questions you may see as you, you know, establish your online presence. So we advise folks to be very conscious and careful about using that personal information on a broad scale. We also encourage folks to make sure that in cases when they're using VA.gov to use multi-factor authentication. Because we want to make sure, again, that you're using all the tools that we have at veterans' disposal to truly protect their identity. And so you tell them if you had that 1969 GTO, maybe keep that picture off of Facebook. Absolutely. And like I said, we do recognize that folks like to share and certainly like to tout those cool cars they had in yesteryear. But we also say be careful about sharing that information too broadly. All right. We're speaking with Charles Tapp. He's chief financial officer of the Veterans Benefits Administration. And what other advice do you give out to the veterans? And I imagine this must have a generational aspect to it because you still got some of the oldsters that are from Korea, World War II, around very different digital profile, perhaps, than those that are younger. Absolutely. So we always say, you know, as you're going out there and establishing your passwords, trying to use passwords, again, that are commonly associated with you, again, back to using your online profile. So if your wife's name is Judy, we highly discourage you from using your wife's name, certainly as your password. We also recommend that that folks change their passwords frequently and that they use things that aren't easily guessed or associated again with them in their personal profile. We also recommend that they don't share their pins with family members or friends. Uh, And as silly as that may sound, it happens more frequently than you can imagine. So those are are definitely tips we talk about in terms of safeguarding your personal profile. We also make sure that as you receive emails, if they look suspicious, they probably are. So be careful about those. We also let folks know that when you change your direct deposit information with us, we'll always follow up that with a letter to say, hey, uh, we received this change on this particular date and to confirm, was it you? And if it wasn't, please call us. And at any time, if a veteran receives a phone call that they don't believe is from VA and they're suspicious in any way, we advise them to hang up immediately and call us back at our national call center at 1-800-827-1000. And we can certainly then confirm if it was us calling and also to walk them through confirming identity and then any questions they may have about their account. Because VBA does contact people by telephone, unlike some other agencies, you do that routinely to reach out to make sure that they know what's available to them in the first place. Yes, and primarily for veterans who are in their first year transition uh, from military service to veteran status, we reach out to them through the VA Solid Start program. And that program is targeted to make sure veterans understand their benefits and also to make sure if they need any help or have any suicidal ideations, that we're able to address those issues with them. So you're correct. In the first year transition, we absolutely are deliberate about reaching out to our veterans. But when we reach out, generally speaking, we don't ask for other than to identify that we are speaking to the veteran that we're intending to. We don't ask you for a whole lot of uh, PII information when we initiate those calls. Got it. So that's a good clue if someone is asking for social security number or service records, that kind of stuff. Don't give it. Those should be absolute flags up front. And again, if those ever happen, we immediately ask the veterans hang up and then call us back uh, at the National Call Center. And while we have you, how are things going on the claims processing end of things? The backlogs wax and wane depending on what's going on. And I guess you got some help in some of the recent legislation to staff up on that front. Absolutely. So as of the end of November, 
our backlog was about 257,000 claims in the backlog. Some of those were uh, as of legislation that came out last summer, and then also some additional claims associated with Agent Orange that entered the backlog more recently. We are very focused and deliberate in terms of the actions that we're taking, and we're currently in the process of hiring a little over 2,000 full-time equivalents or new staff members to help us process those claims so that we can take care of those both timely and accurately. We're also working very diligently and deliberately to make sure those folks are trained and are brought on board systematically. So again, that they can engage and move those claims out of the backlog so that veterans can truly receive their benefits timely and accurately. And given all those programs, how long does it take to train someone to be able to accurately convey that information and get the backlog cleared, you know, be able to take on a case? Absolutely. So to get someone fully trained is about 18 months. But generally speaking, once we onboard them, we train them on some more of the the high-touch, easier tasks so they can become functional relatively quickly after they come on board. But to be fully trained to take care of a full spectrum of different types of claims is about 18 months. And fair to say you're looking for veterans to hire for those jobs. Absolutely. We are very veteran-friendly. About 57% of our current workforce are veterans. And as a service-connected veteran myself, we are highly uh, encouraged and enthused about bringing other heroes who like to serve their fellow heroes as a part of uh, VBA. Charles Tapp is Chief Financial Officer at the Veterans Benefits Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you again for having me today. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient 
and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, 
folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old-fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork, this is how we work now.